to my mind, that's that's the ramifications. If one begins to deny or uh, misapply the covenant of works, what's at stake is the gospel. I want to welcome everyone once again to From the Classroom of Heidelberg Theological Seminary and Dr. J.P. Mosley, Academic Dean Registrar, and I teach in both Biblical Studies and Systematic Theology. And with me again is uh, President of the Seminary, Dr. Maynard Kerner. And today we're going to continue a discussion we started a little while ago, but we're going to bring it back up again, um, the Doctrine of, of the Covenants. And we're going to consider specifically and, and talk uh, about why it's important that we recognize and and deal with biblically what is called the commonly called the covenant of works, and it, it does have different names. And uh, you, know, you could talk a little bit about the different names here in just a moment. But I do have before we get in here, I've got a quote from uh, the Helmets of Brockles Systematic Theology: The Christian's Reasonable Service. This is Volume One, page three fifty-five, right at the beginning of Chapter Twelve here. On the covenant of works, and, and he's talking about the covenant of works, and he says, acquaintance with this covenant is of the greatest importance. Whoever errs here or denies the existence of the covenant of works will not understand the covenant of grace and will readily err concerning the mediatorship of the Lord Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus. Such a person will very readily deny that Christ by his act of obedience has merited a right to eternal life for the elect. This is to be observed with several parties who, because they err concerning the covenant of grace, also deny the covenant works. Conversely, whoever denies the covenant of works must rightly be suspected to be an error concerning the covenant of grace as well. And I'm also reminded as I'm reading this, some of the dying words of J. Gresham Machen, who was preaching in North Dakota, got ill and then subsequently passed away. Some of his dying words was, Thank the Lord for the act of obedience. Christ. And, and I, I guess for this particular uh, discussion, that 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 right there, those those two, those two quotes, one's more of a paraphrase, the other's an actual quote here. Um, you know, to my mind, that's that's the ramifications. If one begins to deny or uh, misapply the covenant of works, what's at stake is the gospel. Would you say that's right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think we could ask the question, which I think is a really important one in, in, in the church today, in the evangelical world today, if we can use that phrase. Um, why do I need Christ? What is my relationship with Christ? And very often it's, well, because he, he's a good friend and he, he, he gives me encouragement and so on. And, and the, the core of the gospel is that Jesus paid for my sins. Well, why does he need to do that? Because I failed in the covenant of works. Mm -hmm. uh, and I failed in the covenant of works because Adam was my fatal head. What we mean by that, of course, is that when Adam was given a probation, a test, if you will, Adam had life. Adam didn't have to do anything to earn life. Adam had life. That's how God created him. Adam and Eve, but particularly we're talking about Adam, the covenant head. And so that with Adam, God made an arrangement and said, you know, the life that you have, the life that I created you with, requires you to live in obedience to me. And is that the covenant of works? And that's the covenant of works. There are other phrases that are used, but that's probably understood what we mean by covenant of works. It's a covenant that God had with Adam. And, and it's not that Adam had to 
earn salvation or had to earn life. He had salvation, but had life. He didn't need salvation at that point yet. Uh, but he had to be remained obedient in the proper relationship with God. He couldn't. He couldn't follow to what. And Satan understood that. And Satan uh, tried to convince him, say, you can make your own decision to be your own God. Mm -hmm. That's a violation of relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And God made it very clear that results in death. That's what happened. What is also the case is that had Adam obeyed, he would have, and, and it's a little difficult to be precise on this, the scripture doesn't reveal that to us, but he would have gained for all of mankind a state in which we could never fall from sin. That, of course, didn't happen. But what happened with the, the, the failure to keep the law of God in the Garden of Eden, sin, is that it puts us all under the wrath of God. What Adam failed to do, that's now where the covenant of grace comes in, that God sent his son to do for him. And if we don't have and trust in the Christ who fulfills what the covenant of works failed at in terms of Adam, in terms of the covenant of works, then the salvation that we're talking about is not the salvation of the scriptures. That's right. And and, and really, and that's one of the reasons that I read that quote. That's, that's exactly what Brockle is getting at when he sits back and he says, if you don't get, if you don't understand this covenant, if you don't understand this relationship that God had with Adam, and how the breaking of that covenant severed something. What was severed? Well, that's the answer to what Christ came to accomplish. And that gets that gets exactly to Christ's work. Now, can we see as we look at as we look at the opening chapters of Genesis, a lot of people would sit back and say, well, how could we call that a covenant? Isn't it a covenant supposed to be redemptive? Isn't a covenant supposed to be something with salvation? You know, if, if we go all the way back to the original covenant of redemption, where God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come together in uh, what is called the, the Pactum Salutis, where they make that agreement that Christ is going to come to save. The Spirit is going to come to apply that saving work. Um, that's still redemptive. But how is, how is the relationship between God and Adam a covenant relationship? Does the question make sense? Yes. Why can we call it a covenant? And, and certainly the, all, of the, all of the revelation, even, even in some sense prior to the fall in the first chapter of Genesis, with, with redemption, God's redemptive plan for man. But I think we need to be uh, also careful, I would suggest, that we don't just think about God in terms of salvation. We think about God in terms of the God of life. It's also the God who then provides us with salvation. I've said this. I don't think we ought to necessarily be surprised that when Adam sinned, God came with their plan for salvation. He didn't actually say, okay, you had your chance, you're, you're done, you're out of here, and this experiment is over. He came because he is a God of life, and therefore he provided through the plan of redemption that Adam would be restored to life. And then in, in the second Adam of Christ, we have that exactly, the restoration to life. That is why I like to 
um, speak about the scriptures as being theocentric, God-centered. No, what that means is the God of salvation. So it is Christocentric in that the God of salvation sends his son Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think we make a mistake when the only thing we want to deal with in terms of God is is is, is Christ, the Savior. Mm -hmm. So when you when you speak of life, then what you're getting at is all of life. Absolutely. It's not just take it to heaven. It's not just forgiveness of sin. It's not any less than you know. It's not well, just our it. fundamental aspects of it. And it's that's essentially Christ coming to continue those promises. Promises were made in the old covenant, and he's come and he's fulfilled that, and now we have it freely um, in him. Because if we think about what the salvation is, what the gospel is, it's the promise and the assurance that your sins are forgiven and the hope that you have eternal life. You use the phrase, a ticket to heaven, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, but basically, that ticket to heaven is a ticket back to Garden of Eden, only a better Garden of Eden. Better garden. That's right. So it is not just sitting there on our on the clouds playing our harps. It is the ticket to heaven, eternity. It's life in the presence of God in all of its greatness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, other, the other aspect of this is, and this is one of the other aspects of both the, the Brockle and the Machen quotes. How is it, how is the gospel of grace, or the, the covenant of grace, how is that how, how can somebody say, well, I don't want to deal with the covenant word. I'd rather just deal with the covenant grace. And, and you know, I don't, I don't care for talking about the covenant words. I don't care. You know, that's, there's division there. There's people I don't agree with it. There's people that want to see it, uh, re, you know, reinstitute it. I just, I just want to be a covenant of grace. Well, it, 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 would, it strikes me that that's very similar to people who don't want to talk about sin. Okay, let's just talk about the love of Christ. Let's talk about Christ and I are good friends. We're, you know, we're, we're buddies and, and so on. And uh, uh, well, we need to understand what, why we need Christ. It's like, it, it, it's, I compare it to, maybe this is a crude example, but I compare it to when the doctor prescribes you some medication, there's got to be a reason why he prescribes that. We want to know what the illness is. Why does God give us Christ? Because we're, we've fallen. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't understand that, that we don't understand what Christ has done for us, mm -hmm. it seems to me. Mm -hmm. And that really is what the covenant of works. So, you see, the thing is, the covenant of works didn't go away. You and I are still responsible uh, in the covenant of works, but we can't fulfill it. Christ does for us. But we are guilty under the covenant of works in, in, in our life. Because it is a covenant that tells us we are to live absolutely holy before God. Right. Uh, and so the, the, the covenant of grace does not replace the covenant of works. The covenant of grace fulfills the covenant of works for us. Which, to, to show the whole picture then of the gospel. One of the things that I've liked to show people, or I've raised the question to people, why did Christ have to be conceived? 
Why did Christ have to be born? Why did he have to live the life of an infant, the life of a toddler, the life of a of a of a of a little boy, of a teenager, of a young man? Why why did he have to live all the could why couldn't he have just showed up, which is an ancient church heresy uh, that he just randomly appeared and you know why did he have to show up and, and live all of that? And I think that gets to the nature. The answering to that question gets the nature of how the covenant works and the covenant of grace are connected. I think I think that, that that's that's a good aspect of it because my suggestion would be is that the covenant of works is between God and man. Yeah. So the person who keeps the covenant of works ultimately fulfills that requirement has to be man. Has to be. So he's the God man Savior. As the catechism rightly points it out, absolutely. He has to be one hundred percent man. Yeah. And also right. True and righteous. So, I, I, as I explain, and I go to answer those questions with people in the church. You know, the the pulpit answer that I give to people when I raise that type of question is: Christ had to be conceived because you were. Sure, Christ had to be born because you were born. And what does David say in in, in the Psalms? I was conceived in sin. sin. And that, that conception in sin is only a conception in sin because of Adam's failure, which gets back to Brockle's point. If you don't grasp the ramifications of the breaking of that original covenant, then the doctrine of original sin is in question. Sure. Uh, the doctrine of us being born guilty and polluted, as David rightly says in the Psalms, is in question. There, then Almost anything is then open. Our understanding of anthropology is in question. That's exactly who right. Who is man? That's exactly right. And who is Christ? Um, and and one of the things that I was thinking about just a little bit ago when you were when you were talking, it, it gets back to the heart of our understanding of baptism, of our understanding into the initiation practice of coming into the covenant community, and it starts with any brand new believer and then any child of a believer. Why? Because that's that's removing that fact. It's it's that change of you were once a covenant breaker and now you're into the one who kept the covenant for you. And and a lot of people don't understand that when we talk about Christ is the he is the covenant keeper. He's the true Israel. He's the the last act. When we say he's the covenant keeper, we're talking about he kept the covenant works right. He that's the act of obedience. He kept it all. He did every single law. And I even pointed out to people when he's back, he's telling John the Baptist. And he says, you know, we have to do this in order to keep the law. Well, what law has him getting baptized for the repentance? He didn't have any sin to repent of. John commanded the people to come and be baptized. At that moment, there's a law. There's a prophet of God saying, come and do this. Jesus even had to keep that. Well, there's a whole another conversation that can be had uh, as a takeoff from this in terms of, and it's a very real struggle that people have as, as believers today, people who want to be very serious believers, struggle every day with their lives in terms of, well, I was I good enough that I leave, that I leave, live a good enough life today? What are all the sins I committed this past week? And I think we need to understand that our 
our saying before God, what makes me good enough before God has nothing to do with my life. It has everything to do with what Christ did, his act of obedience. Now, of course, that means I have a concern about how I live my life, and I struggle with that. But we need to get away from the fact that somehow I've, uh, I have to regain something with God because of certain sins I've fallen into. No, Christ has paid for them. Christ has paid for them all. That's right. That's right. From conception to death, or he's paid every Absolutely. single one. And that is what we ought to be thankful for each and every day. Praise God for that active obedience of Christ, that he kept it all. It goes, it goes right into uh, the Reformed Doctrine of Perseverance of the Saints. It does. Uh, because all of our sins are paid for. What sin can I commit that's going to get me kicked out of that status? None. Otherwise, Christ didn't do a good enough work. That's right. That's right. So in, in this particular podcast, we have defined, showed where one finds the covenant of works. It's right there in the opening chapters of Genesis. And we've, we've showed the ramifications of not, not having that particular doctrine, but we've also shown the beauty of what that doctrine points us to, and that's the gospel. Absolutely. And so I want to thank you for listening to From the Classroom of Heidelberg Theological Seminary. Uh, once again, if uh, you can follow us on YouTube, Sermon Audio, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, go to the website, heidelbergseminary.org, and uh, hit the support tab. We're always looking for people to support us, become a patron of the seminary, so that you can see more product like this, and then also recognize that we are a seminary uh, and we're looking for prospective students. We're also opening up, uh, again, the, the classroom here coming up in September, August, September. Looking forward to the doctoral studies that are starting in August and then the regular MDiv studies. And one of these, one of these podcasts, here's a, here's a plug, we're going to talk about the, the, the future work of Heidelberg in Africa. It's exciting what's going on right now. Yes, it is. And in fact, Africa, even beyond. Even, oh, and beyond. <laughs> How about that for a closing on that one? And so, beyond. And beyond. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you. We'll talk to you next time.